We are in a continuing our series in the book of Colossians. We had talked originally about how, let's pretend that this is like a pedestal, okay? That whatever you put as ultimate, whatever you put as supreme, whatever you put as the main thing in your life on that pedestal, on that altar of your life, of your heart, that is what you will worship. You will orient your life around that thing, right? And we talked about how Paul told us, and the Bible talks about how Jesus is that ultimate thing, that anything else you try to put up there will pale in comparison, will leave you disappointed and discouraged because only Jesus can fill that spot. He is the creator God, the originator of all things in the beginning. He is the God who came and lived and died and rose from the dead. He is the God who sustains all things. So, so only he can be supreme. Anything else will leave you wanting. Anything else will just leave you unsatisfied. Then we talked about how the secret of the universe, the mystery of how we do that, how we keep living with Jesus as supreme, was revealed when, when Paul told us, he said, throughout the ages and generations, this mystery has been hidden, but it's now disclosed, it's now unveiled to you, and that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That when you trust Jesus and receive him, he puts his own spirit inside of you. That's the only way that you can live this life. That's the only way this makes sense. It's not by just pure discipline and things like that, right? And then last week we talked about how sin is not your master. That even though we still struggle in areas, we still tend to do some things that we wish we didn't do, that sin is not your master. How many of you whispered to yourself during the week, sin is not my master? Did you? Was that helpful? I did it. It, it, it just reminds us that we are not any longer slaves to sin. Now today... We are going one step further, and we're talking practically about what it looks like, a visual example of what it looks like to literally put on this new life in Christ. But here's where we're talking. There's, I know in this audience there's a couple of different people. Maybe you're here, and you're like, man, I've been doing this church thing a long time. I've read Colossians a whole bunch of times. Are you still in Colossians, really? Like, we have to keep going through. And, and you know the deal, and you've been, you know, read your Bible and heard lots of messages, and to you I want to say, please, pay attention. Don't miss this because you think that you know all there is to know or you think that you've got this Christian thing down. Every time you open the Bible, God can speak in a new way. The, the Bible is the living word of God, and you are in a different place than you used to be, so prepare to receive from God today. And then there's others of you who are, this is new, and you've been soaking it in, and you've been learning everything you can, and today, I hope that you are encouraged and you walk away feeling like you have what it takes to make changes in your life, that you understand how this Jesus thing works inside of you from the inside out, and you feel equipped that you can change, that you can be different this morning, and I'm, I'm excited about it. So quick little recap, the church in Colossae, Paul is writing this letter from prison, and he's writing to this church. It meets probably in a home, not too many people, and here's the deal. They have been corrupted by these false teachers trying to get them to believe that they can achieve their way into a better relationship with God. That if they're more disciplined, more devoted, if they do more rituals, if they do all the stuff, that they will make their standing with God more secure, that they will be more tight, connected, blessed by God, right? And so Paul has been saying, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. You need Jesus. Don't focus on the what of the stuff. Focus on the who that is God, that is this Jesus. And so we pick it up in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, and it says, since then, 
You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So how is it that we live with our feet in the dirt and our head in the sky? How is it that we live in this world, going to high school, hanging out with regular people, going to work, uh, trying to achieve and do well in our businesses or, or, or love our family well or raise our kids well? How do we do that regular stuff and still keep our mind focused on God? How do we, how do we keep this here in our, in our minds and our hearts up here? What, what, what does that look like? That's what, that's what Paul is saying. Focus on that. Don't focus on the list of things. Focus on how, do we, how do, is it that we align the things that matter most, our heart and our head. How do we align that with what God cares about? Because it's easy, isn't it, to align with the things that the world cares about. They're all around us. The achievements, the cars, the houses, the money, the clothes, the relationships, all the stuff that people tend to think around us will make us happy and satisfied, that we should strive toward, that we should attain to. Those are the things that most people pursue, and that's easy, right? We can set our hearts and minds on those. That's the default. That's where everybody goes. What does it look like to live differently than that? What does it look like to have our hearts and our heads focused above that? At this breakfast on Friday... I met a guy, a very, very successful businessman who is worth in the nine digits. And he has devoted himself to business for his whole life. And he was here, uh, there at our office complex because he owns it. And he wanted to just be a part of that breakfast. He was so thrilled that we were doing it. And he came up to me toward the end before he left, and he was just talking very candidly with me. He felt very open. He was grateful. And so he just, he just kind of started to share his heart with me out of nowhere. He said, what, I see your friends. This is the, you know, Jairus and Tim and Kevin and these guys who were doing the pancakes and everything and interacting with the other folks in the office. And he says, I see, I see that they're like, they like each other. It seems like they're friends. And he goes, I don't have any friends. I've dedicated my life to being successful in business. And successful he is. But he goes, I've dedicated my life to being successful in business, and I feel like I've missed something. I don't have what you guys have. And so I had the opportunity to invite him to, to join us and to share a little bit about why we do what we do. But it was crystal clear for me in that moment that you can have hundreds of millions of dollars and be miserable. And all it takes is a pancake breakfast to let you know. And it's on display for you. And he was, his chest was wide open and he was pouring out his heart because he knew that he was missing something, and it was clear. Friends, if you set your mind and heart on the things of this world, on popularity, on relationships, on money, on achievement, on the next house, the next car, and stuff like that, you will continually be disappointed. Human beings throughout all of history have experienced the same thing, and you are no exception. When you set your heart and mind on those things, you will not be satisfied. 
So Paul says, set your mind on things above. Now he uses some more strong language. He says in verse 5, he tells us more of how to get there. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he lists a bunch of things here, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. Because these things, the wrath of God is coming, you used to walk in these ways, get that, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now, now you rid yourself of all such things like anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all. Christ is supreme and Christ is in all. What he's saying here at the end is he's saying this is your identity. You might be white, you might be black, you might be rich, you might be poor, you might be from this part of town, you might be from that part of town. You might, wherever you are on those spectrums, they are secondary. Christ is all and he is in all. That is your real identity. That is the main thing, right? And he gives us this list of things. Those, the things that he lists there are to identify the old way. So it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's those are identification points of the old way of living. Now, you can break that list down into two categories if you want to. Uh, they can fall into the categories of sex and speech. Sex, all the impurity, the, the negative, the dark side of sex. And then speech, the ugly, angry, backbiting side of speech, right? Those, those are the two categories, the two ways that we have a tendency to get pulled back into. So you may have made a decision to follow God with your life, to follow Jesus, to trust him with your life, but you might find yourself continuing to go back and dabble in those areas. Those are two of the big areas, if we can categorize them, that we struggle in. And if you're sitting there and you're like, nah, I'm pretty good. Really? What about just in your own mind? What about just in your own heart? What about stuff that's not necessarily on the outside? We struggle it's, it's, it's real to all of us. It's been real for 2,000 years. Paul has been talking, this, this truth that Paul was sharing with those Colossians is still relevant to us today. He's been trying to help us get this. Now remember, he shares this list of things not as a list of do's and don'ts. He's not ha- trying to make us be moral by stuff that we don't do. He's giving us an example of what the old life looks like. That's an important distinction. I want you to look at this picture. We have photographers in our church. Did you know that? Uh, several great photographers. Uh, I was just on Facebook this week, and so I, I used one of uh, Joe Ketchka's photos. I borrowed that, pulled it off of Facebook. That's why it's a little grainy. He'd probably be really sad about that. But here we are. You recognize this scene. I want you just to focus on this image. I want you to see it. I want you to see the sea. I want you to see the pier, the buildings on the pier. I want you to imagine yourself there. Feel it. Feel it as though you're there. Feel the sand in your toes. Feel the, feel the breeze on your, hear the birds. You can see some down in the water there. Take in that moment. Okay, now take that off the screen, Lori. Now, whatever you do, don't think about the picture that I just showed you. Don't think about it. Don't think about the ocean. Don't think about the pier. Don't even think about Huntington Beach over there in that direction at all. Don't remember a time that you spent there. Don't think about surfing or the last time you surfed. Some of you are thinking, well, can I think about Newport Beach? No, you can't even think about Newport Beach. Don't try to dabble in the gray area. Don't ask me how far is too far here. 
right? Just block it out of your mind. For the next 10 seconds, you can't think about anything you just saw. It's tough, isn't it? Why is it tough? Because when, when we set our minds on not thinking about something, that's the very thing that we have to think about by default. It's on our minds. We're trying to force ourselves to be different. Oh, no, 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 just avoid that, avoid that, avoid that. And in doing so, we, make our, we cause our minds to think about that very thing. For me, I have a, I have a weakness for uh, chips and salsa. And, and so it's, it's, it can be bad. And so I try not to bring it into my house very often. I just, when I'm at Mexican food joints, I do it. I try not to have it in the house. Because if I have it in the house, I'm going to consume it in mass quantities, right? I can't, I can't have the bag of chips on the table and just walk by and think about, no, 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 not today, bag of chips. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk around this way. And, like, it's just sitting there taunting me. If, if the bag of chips are in my house or if they're in plain view, I'm thinking about how I don't want to eat them. They're right there in front of me. It doesn't work. I have to get the bag of chips out. Because if they're on my mind, if I'm looking at them all the time, I'm going to be prone, I'm going to be drawn into that. That's the way this thing works. What you, what you have there, what you're trying to avoid, if it's, if it's there in the mix, you're going to focus on it. You're going to, you're going to think about it. Instead, I have to put to death this bag of chips. I have to get it out. i got to pretend, bag of chips, you are dead to me. Tostitos, you do not have a hold on my soul. This is not, this is, that's the old me. You know, I'm, I'm being funny, but that's real. Like, I have to keep, I, want, I don't want it in the house. Hillary and I, uh, when we lived up in Washington, we lived in a new community. It was, just, it was just made, built. We were the first ones to live in this house. And it was in this new little area. And this area had been an open field, like new areas are, right? And so we were welcomed into our new house with some other, you know, we had a cat and we had some other friendly uh, mice. Let's just say what it was. We had mice, uh, field mice that got their way into our house. And so I went to Home Depot, which is not like a place where they know me by name. Uh, I have to ask for directions to Home Depot. And so I'm in there, and I'm looking for a mouse trap. I need a mouse trap. I got a mice, a mice problem, okay? So I don't want to, please, let's not have a discussion or, like, a debate later about, like, if that's humane or not. They're mice, first of all. Second of all, I, you know, if it's glue or if it's the snap trap or if it's poison, I'm sure that there are good, you know, arguments for all of the above. I don't even remember what I used. But I remember that I walked into the garage one day, and there was a dead mouse. Now, what do you think I did with this dead mouse? Yeah, I did not, I will tell you, I did not put him up on the mantle as like a proud, like, I am man, this is dead mouse moment. I did not put the dead mouse in Tupperware and in the fridge to preserve it. I did not put the dead mouse in a shoebox in the closet so that I could show it to my children one day and say, look what your dad did, right? No, I got the dead mouse out the house. I don't want anything dead in my house near me. I get it out as fast as humanly possible. Similarly, some of us still have dead stuff in our lives. Some of us are still walking around with dead old ways that Jesus has freed us from, that he has given us the strength to overcome, that he has given us a new identity, and yet we leave the dead carcass of our old self in the mix. And we walk around it and dress it up or put it in a box or whatever and try to pretend like it's not an issue and like, oh, I don't need that anymore. I'm a different person. But it's there all the time. And when it's there, it's on your mind. You need to get it out of the house. 
you need to get it away. You need to put off that old life and let it go. Walk away from it. If it's dead, don't keep it around anymore. We had a great picture of this on Friday night when we baptized people. That image, that symbol of baptism is taking someone into the water that symbolically just represents they're dying with Jesus. Jesus died, we died. And then we raise them up again. Jesus lived, Jesus resurrected, we rose, we live in him. That's what that symbol means. That the old is gone, the new has come. The early church in this day when Paul is writing, many of them, they, they had a tradition some, in some places where when they baptized someone, they would have them come in their old clothes, kind of the old way they used to live. Whatever that clothes looked like, ratty, old, whatever. They would have them come in those clothes. They would baptize them. They would literally have them take off those clothes, leave them behind, and put on this new brilliant white robe as a visual reminder that the old is gone and the new has come, as a visual reminder that the old life, you can take it off. You can walk away from it and put on this new does that mean you're going to be perfect? No, you're not going to be perfect. But you're training yourself to live with your mind and your heart in a new place and not focused on the old anymore. Put on the new life. We take off the old, but that's not enough. We want to replace the old with the new. Now, I know what some of you are probably thinking. I get it. Like, I want to be different. I don't want to live the way I did. I know there's consequences for that lifestyle, those things that, that he listed, all that stuff. It's not good. I, I, I get that. That's not the way I want to live. But I also don't want to be like that cheesy Christian person, right? I don't want to talk all cheesy. I don't want to have to, do, you know, whatever. I get that too. And I wanted you to see this video. These are a couple of other guys who get that. Bless his heart. I think he's backsliding. I think I saw him drink. Yeah, but in moderation. I just wasn't seeing much fruit. He's going down a slippery slope. How's your heart, man? How's your heart? I'm just such a words guy. It was a total God thing. I'm blessed. I've been working on my testimony. Is that secular music? We're opening with a secular song tonight. Wait, is this a secular song? Isn't she secular? Which station's The Fish? 104.3 The Fish. <laughs> Safe for the whole family. You know he's a believer. I think he's saved. I just pray you'd give him traveling mercies. Mm. Pray for all Tyler's unspokens. Mm. Echo that. Just really like to echo Tyler's prayer, Father. I just, I echo that echo of my echo of his echo. I really feel like I'm being released from this, you know? I'm trying to be relevant. I'm just trying to be in the world, not of it. Hey, do you want to join our small group? You want to join my D group? You want to join my cell group, community group, access group, accountability group, Acts 27 group? Dude, he brought it. He brought the word. That service last night rocked me. They're pretty purpose-driven. Yeah, it's seeker. Don't they do seeker service there? I feel like he's gotten really watered down. I don't feel like he really teaches the word. There's not enough meat, you know? Are they non-denom? We have a great Wednesday night supper. Let's invite some dudes over and fellowship tonight. We're going to have a sweet time of fellowshipping tonight. Dude, we had the sickest fellowship last night. We're going to extreme. Velocity. Ignite. Yeah, I'm going to ignite. The edge. The dive. The bridge. The ramp. Fire. Courageous. Passion. Echo. Reverb. Noise. Velocity. Drive. Elevate. Radiate. 722. 635. 419. Orange. Blue. Yellow. Green. Clear. Neon. Catalyst conference this year. I don't do that because I feel like it ruins my witness. Been struggling with that. I'm really wrestling with that. I'm wrestling with a doubt. Need someone to hold me accountable. I'm really trying to be intentional with her. I'm pursuing her for sure. I'm trying to guard her heart. Guard her heart though, bro. Will you hold me accountable to that? Yeah, we'll bounce your ass. Bounce your ass. Dang it. Crap. Shoot. 
Sheesh. Frip. Darn it. What the H? Holy crap. Son of a beasting. Dude, he's really teeing me off. I'm gonna kick his A. Are you asking me right now? Not cool. I, I find that offensive. That's what it seems like to a lot of people. That's what it seems like. You have to, it's like a new lingo or something like that. That's not the way it is. If you are new to this faith journey thing, that's not what Paul is talking about putting on. You don't have to say and do these certain kinds of things to seem religious. That's kind of the point of these last few weeks, right? So what does he say to put on? This is what it looks like. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, everybody wants those things, right? Those are good things. You'd all agree, I want those things. Even forgiveness, even if you're still really angry about someone, you could probably admit that you know that forgiveness is the answer, that bitterness is only going to make your life bad, heavy, dark, that you want to let that go, right? Those are the things we want versus all the other stuff that we listed, the, the, the sex stuff and the speech stuff. We, can, we could admit like that life doesn't lead to a good place. There are consequences for those kinds of behaviors. There are divorces. There are you know, adultery, affairs, uh, pornography addictions, and all the anger and backbiting and gossip. No one wants that. No one looks at that and says, yeah, that's what I want to strive for, right? We see this and we go, yeah, 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 compassion, humility, patience, these kinds of things. I, I get that. That would make my life good. Uh, and so I, I wanted to, instead of sharing, I'm up here a lot, I wanted to bring somebody else up to share a little glimpse of their story. Uh, someone who learned when she met Jesus to take off the old and put on the new. Uh, please welcome my wife, Hillary. The pregnancy stool. There it is. Don't judge. <laughs> so um, tell us about how when you, you came to know Jesus and you had... An old life, an old way, stuff that just didn't go away automatically that you had to learn how to take off. What was that? Yeah, I, um, I was a collegiate athlete, and so I grew up pretty athletic. And then when I um, stopped playing volleyball, I went away to Spain, of all places, to study abroad for a couple years. And while I lived there, I kind of naturally just lost a little bit of weight from walking, eating different foods. And when I got home, it was something that people noticed, and they made a you know, wow, you look great, and I love that attention, and so, you know, I wanted to lose more weight, and so I asked my mom, like, oh, mom, what, you know, what could I do, and she's like, oh, you could, you know, limit your calories, try and keep it to a thousand, which maybe works for someone, maybe for her, but for me, I'm 5'11", and I'm athletic, and that was anorexia, I mean, let's be honest, it wasn't enough calorie intake, and so after a couple months, you know, I just looked gaunt, and my hip bones were out, and and I couldn't maintain that same um, calorie intake, so I began, I became bulimic. And so there was a number of things that kind of came and went with the bulimia. There was, you know, I think there was alcohol mixed in there and um, just a slew of other things and um, wasn't, definitely wasn't healthy. Yeah. And so then you met Jesus, you got plugged in with some people. What, 
What was that step that was like, what was the step like when you took those off and then replaced it with new? What did that look like? You know, it was a, there was definitely fear, but the minute I kind of gave my heart back to the Lord, because I was a Christian younger and then came back to the Lord, um, it was just a prompting, a stirring in me that there was something still wrong. You know, it wasn't like overnight, but I just kind of felt like oh, I need to share this with someone. And once I shared it with one person, it was not enough. And so I began sharing with my coworkers who don't know Jesus. And they're probably like, why is she telling me she's bulimic? But for me, that was how I got over this illness was that the more accountability I had, as scary as it was, the easier it was for me to shed this old self. And so it wasn't just shedding, you know, telling people, it was also replacing it with something that was better and healthier. And so instead of working in a restaurant, being surrounded by food, I quit and worked at a gym. And obviously I've always loved being active. So began running and become became active. And, um, and then I experienced food in another way. I kind of decided to look at it less of a, um, something that was negative and more something as positive and kind of trying to create meals that were healthy and, and looked at food as a gift and less of a something I could control. And when I, when I did that and I changed that in my head, the less it became an issue for me. But I do want to say, if, you, if, if this is an issue for you, if there's bulimia or anorexia that you're struggling with, it might not be as easy as like just praying or reaching out to people. You might need actual help, and I don't want to pretend like this is a you know, something that you can get over overnight. This is just my experience with, with bulimia. Yeah, and we had, we had a powerful conversation with someone after the service before, so putting you on the spot, but how, what would you, how would you encourage people that are here, whether it's bulimia or whether it's pornography or whether, whatever it is, that, that your experience with Jesus, when he, when he takes over and you surrender to him, that there's, there's hope. How would you encourage our friends here? I don't know, be fearful. I think the enemy wants you to keep it a secret, you know, because it's part of that, you want to keep your, you want to keep that little part of you a secret. You don't want to tell people because they think um, they're going to think negative of you. And and I would encourage you to to take that bold step. And the more people that you tell, the more freedom you get, and the farther you get actually get away from the thing that's holding you and gripping you. So to not be afraid of um, God's chosen people of of the community that you're surrounded with. They want to help you, not to judge you. So that's what I would say. And this is baby weight, seven months worth right there. Yeah, right? I'm not packing it on. <laughs> There's baby. Thank you, Hillary. <laughs> Take off the old life, put on new life. Take off the old, walk out of the old, and step into what is new. It's not enough just to take off the old while that's the start. But then Jesus says, put on this new. You, you left your old clothes behind. Now put on this white robe. You are in me now. You are in me and I am in you. Let me, let me walk with you in this life. Today is a day of leaving behind old clothes for some of you. I know it is. It's a day of leaving behind old ways, patterns that you are stuck in that are dead old things, even though you are a new creation in him. Today is a day for leaving those behind. I read a quote on Facebook of a friend of mine named Bob Goff this week. He said, explode out of the life you want to leave behind. Like you were shot out of a cannon, right? With that kind of intensity. That there is an old you, there's an old self 
that Jesus has redeemed, that he has died for, explode out of that life and embrace this new life in him. Embrace the strength that he gives you with his spirit inside of you. It doesn't have to happen overnight. It might be an ongoing battle and a journey. That's okay. It can start today. It can start today with you taking your heart and your mind and living for things above and not things of this world. Today can be the day when you explode out of those old ways. Now, as you look at putting on this new life in Christ, there is a, the, those list of virtues is right here. We put it in your bulletin. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love, peace, thankfulness. These are all fantastic things. And I know some of you are looking at that list and you're thinking, okay, so now I have to do all these things. Like, I'm going to have a hard time manufacturing these in my life. And I want to set you free from that kind of pressure because you can't. You can't manufacture these in your life. Only God can manufacture these in your life. Only the Holy Spirit, as you submit to him, creates these things in you. But Paul gives us one gateway, one step that opens up the door for God to do his work. The gateway to virtue is thanksgiving. Look at what he says in verse 15 here. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful, circle thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Friends, it's the Holy Spirit, it's his Spirit inside of us that gives us the strength to let go of the old, to put on the new. And it's gratitude and thanksgiving that open the door to that. If you are not a grateful person, a thankful person, you are probably not very many of these other things either. Because it's out of that heart of gratitude, aware of what God has done, that frees us, that frees his spirit to work in us and create these other things. So today, today, this is a special moment right here. Because I want you to ask yourself, what is it that you need to put off? What is it that's still haunting you? What is it that you've been gravitating back toward that it's dead? Just let it be dead. Get it out of the house. What is that thing for you? I invite you to let God speak to you and just bring that to your attention. And then the second question is, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for today? What can you be thankful for? Conveniently, this is the right time of the year to be asking such questions. We're a few days away from Thanksgiving. Now, it can be this commercial holiday, but I want, to, I want to encourage you to take it seriously this year. Let this be sincerely a year of gratitude where you really look at Thanksgiving in a new way. That, this, that Thanksgiving this year is going to open the door for God to do other things and create other things in your life that these other virtues will flow out of your thankful heart as you become so grateful to him for what he's done, for what he's doing, that these other attributes would just, would just find their way into your life as you let him have his way. So sit with that. What would God say? I'm putting on my new life in Christ, and it starts with gratitude. Friends, you don't have to be who you were. You don't have to be who you were. You can walk into the new life that God has created for you. You can put on the new clothes. Open that door with thanksgiving this morning. God, speak to us. 
Speak to us. What is it that we need to take off and just put out of our lives? That might sound too simple and too easy, but that's where it starts. A new mindset, a new heart set, thinking about things above, putting off the old things, stepping into this new life in you. God, clothe us. Clothe us new. Clothe us in you. And teach us to be truly grateful people. In Jesus' name.